Craig, the recording has been started. Oh, okay. I didn't hear that voice. All right. Um, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you, big book study. My name is Craig F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today's date is uh, February the 6th, and uh, I'm... Uh, uh, 2021. Today we're reading from the big book. Uh, we're at page 35, the first paragraph that begins our first example. Today's readers are um, Susan H. Uh, for the steps, Adrian H., Marge O., Barbara E., and uh, that's all. Um, The reference number for yesterday is, for the 7 a.m. meeting, 16332, and for the 10 a.m. meeting, 16335. Uh, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through each shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated uh, with any public or private organization, political movement, or ideology. Uh, we, um, ideology, religious doctrine, we take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of, of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, the OA fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I'm now going to ask uh, Susan H. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Susan H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Ohio. Very grateful to be here. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. 
continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. Praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I pass. Okay, thank you very much. Next we'll have uh, Adrian uh, N. We'll do the 12 traditions. Adrian? Hi, uh, thank you. This is Adrian N. in Florida. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group would never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Least problems of money, property, or prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special special workers. Nine, OA as such would never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name would never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Great, thank you. Before any of you think that I lost my sanity a minute ago, I said it was February 6th. Of course, it is February the 5th. Uh, I think maybe Groundhog Day has messed me up for the week, but... It's February 5th. Um, How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by pressing, by saying pass. 
then press star 1 to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study in the big book uh, on page 35, the first paragraph. Uh, and I'm going to ask uh, Marge O to begin reading. Marge? Star one, Marge. Good morning. Thank you all. Talking to the wind. This is Marge O, recovered in Massachusetts. Our first example is a friend we shall call Jim. This man has a charming wife and family. He inherited a lucrative automobile agency. He had a commendable World War record. He is a good salesman. Everybody likes him. He is an intelligent man, normal so far as we can see, except for a nervous disposition. He did no drinking until he was 35. In a few years, he became so violent when intoxicated that he had to be committed. On leaving the asylum, he came into contact with us. This story, from, from the beginning of time, as they say, had always grabbed me. I had always, you know, I had a lot of the same things going on in my life. I had a great family. I had a nice a group of siblings also that supported me. We had a lot of fun in our life. I had good good jobs over the years. I was a good salesman. I am a good salesman. I enjoy doing that kind of work. I have lots of friends. Um, you know, fairly intelligent. Normal so far as they could see, except I wasn't. I had the insanity of the disease. And what I didn't know and what we will learn as, as we learn more about alcoholism and this part of, of, of Jim's story and another story too to go after this, is that enlarging my spiritual life was the only way that I was going to get into recovery and stay recovered, be entirely abstinent and work a program that made sense. I have, you know, the body can't handle that certain food for me and my mind can't leave it alone once I'm at it, once I'm into it. And it's the same same thing here. And I have to go one day at a time, do the best that I can. I fell this week. I have a broken hip. It wasn't part of my plan. This time of year with my job, it starts to get very busy. God had other plans. I get annoyed every once in a while with God's choices, but then I'm reminded. It's okay. A day at a time. If you pay attention, you stay in touch, you do your service, and you do have a larger spiritual life, you'll be okay. Because I do not want to live in the insanity of the disease. There's enough of it that shows up without doing the food. So for today, I'm abstinent and entirely grateful for this program and the ability to do service. Thank you. Okay, thanks, Marge. Now we're going to start taking names for people who would like to share on this paragraph. Um, we remind you that we like hearing everybody, and, and uh, so. But if you've shared in the last couple of days, that's Wednesday or Thursday, we'd ask you to uh, uh, respect our our uh, request that uh, we allow other voices to be 
heard and have an opportunity to share. Um, so with that being said, who, who, who would like to uh, comment on this paragraph? Linda G. Dara L. All right, I have Brenda and Dara. That's all I got. Michelle O. Michelle. Pam. Pam. Nessa Katie R. Hmm. I got Nessa. There was somebody else. Barbara. Katie. I got Barbara. Was there a penny? Janice PM. Did you get me? Nope. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. I got you now. All right. That, that's a good group for, for to go. I've got Brenda, Dara, Michelle, Pam, uh, Nessa, Barbara, and Janice PM. So let's... Uh, Go ahead with that. Um, first up, Brenda. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. This is, well, I used to be Brenda, but I'm Linda D. I'm from Connecticut. My name sounds similar. Um, I'm very, I'm very grateful to be here, first of all, and I'm recovered. And what I'm attracted to in that reading right now is the line about seeming normal, except for a nervous disposition. Well, that that's described me from the day I was born until what day is it now? Oh, today. Because there's something in my chemistry that's wacko, and my thought life is when I wake up is sometime equally wacko because um, I'm in a program and I'm um, human and there it is. It shows up again. I have an opinion about today and what today should look like and who should do what to whom and all of that stuff. Well, because I have this wonderful program and because I practice, 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 and I have to trudge, 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 no coasting. That doesn't mean I have to be frantic, but I do have to trudge. And so I surrender uh, real fast. And uh, here we go. You know, I go to the meeting, or first I go to God, and then I go to the meeting, and I learn from all of you. And hopefully I help somebody. And I'm open to helping people throughout the day, whoever shows up. So thanks, and I pass. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, next we have Dara, and uh, she'll be followed by Michelle. Dara? Great. Thank you. I'm Dara L. in Philadelphia. Um, I'm a compulsive overeater. And I love this this paragraph um, because, you know, of the awareness that there can be good things about a, a person with the alcoholic mind and the alcoholic illness. But it, it doesn't matter that, um, you know, for me, once I once I pick up, um, you know, the. I, I personally have struggled a lot with rage, actually, when I when I've been in the food, um, a lot of like just just anger at other people, hatred that kind of comes out of nowhere um, and towards myself too, like just this 
it it almost feels like I get hijacked by it and I I do feel drunk. I have that experience. Um, And I also have the experience of of being committed. I've been um, institutionalized 18 times as a result of uh, anorexia, bulimia, compulsive overeating. And I'm very, very grateful to be back in in these rooms because I was... um, I was at that place again, maybe about a month ago or so, where I just thought I need to check myself in because I'm I'm a crazy person. I'm insane. And um, for me, you know, that's something that the food does to me. It doesn't do that to everybody, but it does it to me. And in this moment, I'm I'm grateful for that because I'm very aware that I am I'm not capable of living life as a functional person while I'm in um, binging, purging, starving, and all that. So anyways, really, really grateful for this meeting and um, just grateful to be able to really identify in with this paragraph and, um, and that nervous disposition thing. I certainly have that when I'm, whether I'm abstinent. Actually, I think I have it more when I'm abstinent, when I'm, when I'm not abstinent. It's like the, whatever my underlying disposition is sort of gets taken over by the food and just being drunk on it and, um, and all of that. So grateful to be here, and I'll pass. All right. Thank you very much, Darren. Next we have Michelle, and she'll be followed by uh, Pam and then Nessa. Michelle? Good morning. This is Michelle O. in Michigan. Um, not a recovered compulsive overeater, and uh, very grateful for this meeting this morning. Um, the reason I decided to share in this paragraph was I was thinking, I had two impressions in listening to it. One of them was what a privileged guy Jim was. And I almost didn't feel that much sympathy for him that he had all these benefits afforded to him from, from the start. And um, and yet I do identify with this fall from grace, you know, this this despite everything being teed up and lined up um, beyond what we could all expect um, he had this disposition and he had the malady and he is an alcoholic. And the other thing that I identified when I was maybe less, I, I guess what I'm saying is I, I fell into the trap of thinking, oh, these these outwardly characteristics should um, define his outcome. And that's not the case for someone who has um, alcoholism or addictive disposition. And um, the other thing, though, is I wondered if for him, as it is for me, my my memory of when I wasn't aware of my illness, the things that seemed to be going so right, I wonder if that kept him from accepting that he was an alcoholic. And I think that I, despite all the evidence to the contrary, I still struggle to accept the hopeless state of mind and body, I'm trying to revert back to the pre-35-year-old Jim, you know, and not that he wasn't an alcoholic then, but he, he wasn't triggered um, for whatever reason. So um, those are my impressions in reading it, and uh, it was important for me to share this morning because I'm really trying to reach out more. So I thank you so much for being here, and thank you to the moderator. Okay, thank you, Michelle. Uh, next, we have Pam, and she'll be followed by Nessa. Uh, Pam?
Pam. Okay. Uh, I can share. Uh, let's go ahead and move to Nessa, if Pam isn't available. Uh, Nessa? Hi, good morning. This is Nessa R. And I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. I really like the story of Jim. I also really like the story of Fred. Can't really relate to the story we read before of the man of 30 because I could never say stop for 25 days, let alone 25 years. Um, and it's not that I had a perfect life like uh, Jim seems to have and like Fred seems to have. Um, but this is what I, I, I like it because I thought that my overeating was caused by my circumstances, my stressful circumstances. And so... My conclusion was that if my my circumstances, you know, uh, you know, tight financial situation, kids bickering, uh, a small, um, cluttered, cramped house, job I don't like, you know, boss I don't like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, if those were the causes for my overeating, if I could fix my circumstances, or rather, if my circumstances um, fix themselves, you know, if people behave the way they're supposed to behave, um, according to my estimation, then I wouldn't have to compulsively overeat. I mean, here's these two men who had what I would consider in my books then perfect circumstances. They had money, they had, a, they had thriving businesses, jobs they liked, you know, wonderful families, thriving families. Um, they were very well liked. You know, they were at the cusp of success you know, and yet they drank. And to me, like this brought home that my disease has nothing to do with my circumstances. You know, my circumstances did not cause it. My circumstances will not fix it. Um, you know, it didn't prevent me from trying for decades, you know, by bulldozing people, manipulating, scheming, you know, to try to to, to, to fit those, uh, those circumstances to suit myself and it didn't work and it destroyed my relationships and just made things even more stressful and therefore I had to even overeat even more. And, you know, like now in recovery, I see that uh, my, my circumstances really have not changed dramatically, but they have improved as a result of my recovery. But, you know, they, they weren't changed um, when I first recovered and I still recovered. Uh, despite or maybe because of those. So my, my recovery has to be independent from my circumstances. You know, it doesn't matter what's happening around me. And it doesn't even matter what's happening with those around me or, you know, painful experiences, nothing. My recovery depends on only one thing. And it's my dependence upon God. You know, um, you know page 98, it says something along the lines of, uh, you know, job or no job, life or no uh, wife or no wife, we simply do not recover as long as we put dependence upon others instead of dependence upon God or, or something along those lines. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing. And, and that's all I need, you know, like um, my, my life itself has not changed very much, but everything has changed because I have changed. I have been transformed by, by God through 
working the 12 steps as outlined in this book um, in entire abstinence. And it's so much better. Uh, I could have never believed that uh, I would have the kind of life I have, um, but I do. Uh, and that to me is proof that um, recovery is independent of what I thought were the, um, the reasons for my overeating. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you. All right. All right. Thank you, Nessa. Next up, we have Barbara E. And she'll be followed by Janice PM, and then we'll take new names. Barbara? Good, good morning. Am I unmuted? It's playing games yeah. with me. Okay, You're fine. Uh, this is Barbara E. from New Jersey. Well, today we know we were introduced to Jim, who did no drinking until he was 35, but then quickly fell into that hole so many of us fall into. And soon he became so violent that he had to be committed. Well, I didn't wait till I was 35. He was powerless over his drinking obsession, like me with my eating. When the thought of eating something that I knew was bad for me came into my mind, it took over my mind like I was a zombie. I simply couldn't get the thought out of my head. My mouth watered, and the thought blotted out everything else. So I gave in again and again, saying, I'll just buy one, but of course walking out with 12. And then when I finally wanted to stop, when doctors warned me I was in dangerous territory, I was scared into stopping for perhaps a year, but eventually I ate again, forgetting the consequences of the last time, losing and regaining hundreds of pounds, yet every time thinking this time it would be different, my delusional mind telling me lies I was desperate to hear. You're thin now. You're free. You're not as bad as they are. Just take a break over the month of December. There are so many parties. But that's what they were, all lies. I was lacking over my compulsion to go back to what was killing me. I was like Pac-Man or like Audrey from the movie Little Shop of Horrors who kept saying, feed me, Seymour. I ate out of the garbage. I ate off the floor. I bought food for my family and ate it, claiming I'd forgotten to buy it. But like Jim was soon to be introduced to two fellow alcoholics, I was introduced to OA in 1997, and it saved my life. I finally had hope and fellowship with, with others who understood my problem with food, and with humility, I became teachable. I learned that I could recover by listening and learning and working. And yes, it was hard work, but I never gave up because I knew my life depended on. And as, as my steps got bigger, my body got smaller. And I accepted that I could be recovered but not cured. But I promise you today I'm much happier than I ever was while binging. Thank you, I pass. Okay, thank you, Barbara. Next up, we have Janice PM, and then we'll take some new names. Janice? Well, good morning to you, Craig, and everyone. This is Janice PM from um, Boston, Massachusetts, and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. 
Okay, this is an example for me, among two more others that are going to show us, show me, the thought before the action. This is very a good story. It's a good story and a teaching story to me about relapse. You know, people talk about the crazy things that we do. I, I talk about the crazy things that I did, you know, when I was eating, when I was in the food and probably some booze, alcohol. Well, that's not what it's talking about here. We're talking, this, this message is teaching me, again, that insanity is continuing to drink when we know the, event, the eventual result may be death. I'm a compulsive overeater. That's okay. You know, but that first bite will never be the last for me. So the definition of insanity that I think is the best is the lack of proportion and inability to think straight in regards to compulsive overeating. So it's not the eating or the drinking, it's the thinking. And boy, have I experienced that. You know, it starts with the thought. Make a decision. It's so quick that I don't. I can't even separate the thought, the decision, <clears throat> and believe you me, the action. And so it's the insanity before he picks up or I pick up that drink. So now this this paragraph is all about for me identification, and I you know, and then it goes on to tell us that gee, you know, he he was. Charming. Um, I had a good husband, a pro- professional man. I inherited a uh, a good business. Um, you know, good talker. Um, I don't know about everybody liking me, but you know, I guess some people did. Um, I was kind of normal, normal in intelligence, and normal with other things, except for this is a big thing for me. Nervous disposition is to me emotions. How I handle my emotions. My mother used to say to me, Janice, but you're so nervous. And I used to say, no, I'm not. You know, and my goodness. Um, Of course, I I started drinking a little bit different than 35. uh, I started eating at around 8. But it doesn't matter when you start. It's what you're going to do. It doesn't matter how much you drank. 8. But when I ate certain foods, honest to goodness, I was in a rage. And I never knew it. I could never identify that, that about myself. But, of course, as years went by, I did. I was so up with food that I could, you know, be drugged enough to go to sleep and be really in a coma. And that's not good. So we're going to see what happens. Um, if uh, when we know about this disease. And I pass. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Janice. Okay. Um, we're ready to take some new names. And remember, if you've uh, shared on Wednesday or Thursday, uh, please uh, give everybody else a chance. We probably have over four, 450 people on the line here today. So who would like to share on this paragraph? Debbie P. Jackie P. Debbie P. Oh, Debbie P. You were close. <laughs> All right, Debbie. Thanks. 
Who else? Kelly G. I, I, I missed somebody there before Kelly. Darian K. Darian K. Was that? Who K-A-R-E-N-K. said? K-A-R-E-N-K. Oh, Karen K. Thank you, dear. All right. Right now I have Debbie P, Karen K, and Kelly G. Who else? Toby K. Larry K. <clears throat> Toby. Larry. Vanessa N. Vanessa. And all right. Well, that's a good lineup. Let's uh take off with that. Debbie P, you're up. You'll be followed by Karen K. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, hi, everyone. Um, hi, family. Good morning. This is Debbie P from Ohio. Um, I just want to hone in on the 35. <laughs> and I laugh because that was me. I was, um, it was not 35. I was uh, early, uh, early 30s, uh, late 20s when um my addiction really took root. So I, I don't have that experience that a lot of people have of, of growing up with that, um, not knowing, you know, how to eat and, and having that disorder, although I, I was older. And, and it instantly brought me to, we, so we don't get to pick this. So we are truly powered. This, this paragraph is so packed with so much. And it is all God. Um, I, I, it wasn't until I was in my late 30s, but, but it was still in me. And I just kind of want to... Um, kind of hone in on this as, as well. 35, yeah, so I didn't pick my age. I didn't, you know, it wasn't until later. I don't have this big, hairy story, but I have it. Um, and not only that, I was I was instantly brought to, we, we don't get to pick our food either. I know this is kind of, you know, not really talking about the food, but but it is. You know, if we, if we didn't get to pick our age or it wasn't until 35, wasn't until I was, you know, early 30s, um, I don't get to pick my food either. I remember hearing one person on the line saying, you know, I, I, I don't know about you, but I've never overeaten on Brussels sprouts. And I raised my hand. That was me. Um, I binge on Brussels sprouts every other day. You know, that was, that's definitely on my red light list. So this is this path. I just wanted to share, you know, it, it doesn't matter the, the time. It doesn't matter how old we are. It doesn't matter the food. It does, none of it. it. It doesn't matter. We don't pick it. it it's on there because it's on there. It, it happened because it happened. And, we move on and see God in it. It's just such a God-drenched paragraph. You know, it doesn't really seem like it. I and mean, I can read this maybe next year and get something different. But uh, today, I don't know. I, I just wanted to share um, so much bigger. <laughs> Step one, we are powerless over over it all. Um, and just God enters in and, and takes hold. So uh, thank you so much for letting me share. With that, I'll pass. All right. Thank you. Next, we have Karen Kay. Uh, and she'll be followed by, I believe it was Kelly G. Good morning, I'm Karen K., Recovered Compulsive Eater from Syracuse, New York, and my credits don't transfer. Yes, I love this line. He's an intelligent man, normal, so as far as we can see, that's what I used to present myself to be, you know, so I thought I was intelligent, so I thought I could speak right, so I thought because I took Dale Carnegie and taught Dale Carnegie and public speaking, and I could sound well, but meaning I had a hole in the soul, and the hole in the soul was addiction, addiction to food, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
I'm a compulsive eater to the core. It comes from my thinking, uh, the way I think others think, and not only that, not only did I think I needed to know, I thought, you know, I think I needed to know. Now, that's a ball of yarn in the mouth with that statement, and that's just crazy-making, and I don't live my life that way anymore. I am so grateful that I can be the authentic Karen, the child of God that God wants me to be. And I do have a nervous disposition even to this day, but with God's light and God's help, I'm able to share my life with people that I can trust and and get the help that I need. And, and I did go to treatment, and then I did get out. And the answer is always go to meetings. These treatment centers put a little lid on things for a while, but it always ends up you got to go to 12-step meetings. That's the solution, you know, living the steps, getting a sponsor, working with others, listening. Um, I haven't shared on this line in a while, just been doing a lot of listening and going to a lot of different Zoom meetings and to become teachable. And with that, I will pass. All right. Thank you, Karen. Next, we have Kelly G. followed by Toby K. Kelly? Hi, good morning, Kelly G in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, I so relate to Jim. I am Jim. Um, on the outside, I had it and have it all together, you know, in the crux of my disease. I remember I was going to school in Rhode Island, and, you know, I had friends, and I ended up living alone in my own dorm room to get my fix, but nobody knew that. And um, it was the dead of winter and classes were canceled. And I walked out in my flip-flops to clear the snow off my windshield with my bare hands just to go out and get more food. And nobody knew. You know, nobody the next day when classes were open, business as usual. High school, I got friendliest or happiest person, you know. And inside, I was dying. And the happier I were in the outside, the bigger the front, the more dead I was on the inside. And, you know, the biggest, the biggest, um, the biggest, I'm trying to think of the word, reflection of my Kelly, you were muted. Star one to unmute, please. We lost you. Can you hear me? I'm sorry. Um, the biggest way to determine the level of my recovery is how my insides match my outsides. And for me, I, I am aware, I'm self-aware that when I'm kind of having to overcompensate for the way that I feel inside, um, something's off with my spirituality. And, you know, it's just that nobody knows your story on the inside. And, um, and the thing is, is if, even if I have success with my job, even if I have a nice car, even if I live on the beach in Fort Lauderdale, nothing matters if I don't have my recovery and I can lose everything. And in college, I, I transferred to the University of Miami from Rhode Island and um, had a scholarship. I met friends. I joined a sorority. And then within a month of Entering that college, I disappeared. I took a medical leave from school for two months, rehab for my eating disorder, for my compulsive overeating. 
And that's when I learned about the 12 steps, but nobody knew where I went. It was like, where's that girl? Where's that fun, happy girl? And little did they know that I was holding on for dear life. So it, you know, when I idolize other people in this world who seem like they have it all together, you know, I was that person and look at me, you know, I was dead inside. So anyway, it's not all what it appears. And I'm just grateful that I'm moving towards my insides, meeting my outsides, matching my outsides. Thanks for letting me share. All right. Thank you, Kelly. Next we have Toby R. Toby? Or K. Was it Toby K? It was Toby K. All right, it doesn't seem like we're going to get a Toby K. So let's go to Larry K. Larry? Hey, Craig. I'm, hard. I'm, I'm sorry. Can you hear oh. me? Can you hear me now? Oh, is that Toby? Yes. All right, I'm sorry, Larry. Go ahead, Toby. Yeah, I'm sorry. I wasn't um, unmuted. Um, okay, so I have written here in the margin, R-I-D, Restless, Irritable, and Discontent. And that was me um, in my life nervous disposition like Tim and restless, irritable, and discontent. Uh, When things weren't going my way, watch out. Um, I was in my um, early 30s, like people have mentioned, and in the paragraph also. Um, And all I wanted was the food to calm me down because I was um, a nut job. it wasn't until I came into the rooms uh, and did the steps. I was in the rooms for a very long time, but uh, nobody talked about the steps back then. So um, when I found the steps, finally I was able to see my part because I never saw my part. It's everybody else. I blamed everybody else uh, for my um, for my problems. If only this, if only that, if only he, if only she. If only they. So um, I really thank God for this program and the 12 steps for showing me some sanity because I I was really insane and sometimes I still am insane, truthfully. But um, at least there's a way out. And uh, thank you for letting me share. I pass. Okay, thanks, Toby. Next we have Larry Kay. Larry. Hey, Greg, good morning. Uh, Thanks so much for your service. Yeah. You know, um, it it talks about, uh, you know, here's a good salesman. He had a commendable world war record. Everybody likes him. He's an intelligent man. (laughs) When I think of intelligence, intelligence um, is like uh, underwear. You know, it's important. It's kind of important that you that you have it, but not not necessary that you show it off. Right. And um, Boy, this disease doesn't discriminate. It doesn't care about one's IQ. It could give a flying you-know-what about uh, your socioeconomic status. Your, you know, the, the, you know I, I test pretty good on, on, on academic tests. I always have. I'd love to take credit for that. That's a whole bunch of BS. It was just a gift from God. And so, um, but, that, but that, you know, intelligence, there's lots of different types of intelligence. And when it comes to 
you know, there's artistic intelligence. There's, I know people that have, they're off the charts on creative artistic intelligence, and I, don't, I wouldn't score high on that at all. You know, but here's, here's the thing. For me, this disease uh, just beat me down and bloodied me good. Didn't matter, you know, IQ or education or anything. It, it didn't care about any of that stuff. Uh, this, all I know is that this disease brought me to my knees and still can. You know, and, and I needed to have a spiritual transformation just, just in the same way that, uh, that Jim did. You know, Jim needed to have a spiritual transformation of, you know, and, and, and I needed to be brought into alignment with the, with the higher power of my own understanding. You know, God had to do for me what I absolutely could not do for myself. And you guys told me that if I worked the steps, somehow that transformation was possible for a guy like me. I, can't, I couldn't believe it. It was possible for a guy like me. And, you know, today, just for today, um, you know, I'm, I'm in deeper... I'm in deeper connection to God, and uh, God, I'm a child of God, you're a child of God, or your higher power, and that's a beautiful thing. So thanks, Craig, again for your service. Happy Friday, everyone. With that, I pass. Okay, Larry, thank you. Next up, we have Vanessa, and then I think we might have a little bit of time left. Vanessa? Do we have a Vanessa? Okay, sorry, I was muted. Um, can you hear me? Did Hello? You, uh, yes, can you hear me? Yes. Uh, Vanessa N. calling from California, gratefully recovering compulsive overeater. And the line that really sticks out for me in this paragraph is the nervous disposition. And that is something that I have had since birth, pretty much. And I remember in my 20s, when I first went to therapy, um, I learned that it wasn't normal to be anxious all the time, because I thought everybody felt this way. And turns out that wasn't actually the case. And now, as a result of working the 12 steps in this and in other programs, one thing that is totally miraculous is that it is extremely unusual for me to feel anxious. And the second I feel that way, I recognize that I have taken my will back and I need to practice step three and turn it back over whatever it is that I am nervous or anxious about. And the second that I do that, that I really turn it over and give it to God, that feeling goes away. And that is a true miracle for me. And just one of the biggest changes I've seen in my life is that that's just not normal for me anymore. And that was a normal feeling for me every single day for the vast majority of my life. Um, thank you everybody for doing service on this line, everybody for being here, and with that I pass. Okay, thanks Vanessa. So we have uh, uh, about eight minutes, so I can we can probably get two or three shares in. Who would like to uh, take that time? Anybody wanna share? Leslie W. Patty Manya Lesley. E. Manya. All right. Well, why don't we go ahead and 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 start, Leslie? And Carol K. All right, Carol. I got you. If we got time. 
Thanks. All right, go ahead, Leslie. Leslie, you're maybe muted. Yep, I was. Thanks, Craig, for your service. This is Leslie. Debbie, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Tennessee, and um, <clears throat> I just uh, wanted to take the opportunity to share a little bit about my story, um, how it talks about here that he did no drinking until he was 35. A lot of us talk about being born compulsive overeaters and, and, and eating um, from a very young age. Um, that was not my story. Um, uh, I did not use food compulsively until later in life <clears throat> and uh, went through a traumatic birth um, and was in a lot of pain and I had just postpartum and I, I, I remember, I'll never forget when they brought me <laughs> peanut butter and graham crackers and in, in the um, post-op. And uh, it's like a switch flipped in me all of a sudden. And uh, I was 30 at the time. And uh, I was, but I was off to the races, boy. I mean, it was like that allergy in me was just activated. The obsession of the mind was activated. And um the compulsive overeating continued from the hospital back to my house and pretty soon my life consisted of napping feeding my baby and eating around the clock never left the house never did anything um i was uh you know i was i was really in a dark place and i didn't know how to get myself out I tried to get myself out. I tried to use my quote unquote willpower, but this time I couldn't. It's pretty humbling when you get beaten down by a jar of peanut butter or a cupcake and you realize how powerless you really truly are. Um, and, you know, I'm so thankful that God brought me to this fellowship and that he disciplined me through this program um, because today I have a beautiful life and it's not a perfect life, um, but it is, it is a life well lived and I no longer have to hide in the laundry room eating M&M's. <clears throat> and avoiding life's problems. Today I can show up for my family and for my fellows. And with that, I'm going to pass. Okay, thanks, Leslie. Next we have Manya. Uh, Manya? Hello, good morning. This is Manya E. from Louisiana. Thank you all for your service on this line and for everybody who has attended. What great service we, we share with each other. Um, this, what stuck out for me, too, was uh, a nervous disposition. Um, I, ne I always had a nervous disposition 
but I wore the masks and and I never let anybody know what my what my uh, real feelings were and I stopped everything and so I um I gradually got sicker and sicker um as I was a teenager I realized I had overeaten I, I don't know I gained like maybe 15 pounds maybe 20 I don't know if it was that much but um at the time I realized wait a minute something's wrong and and then but but the insanity was I did not go further to investigate or to find out what my problem could be never thinking that I had this disease and never uh, realizing that the only solution for me was the 12 steps and recovery in this program and so I continued you know, my spiral downward and, and it just, I just kept uh, blaming all my circumstances, everything that happened in to my life. I was the victim and, and I could use that to, to feed my addiction. And so uh, I just got really, really insane. And, and today I know that I don't have to stay that way. It's one day at a time. It's a decision I make to turn my will and life over and and realize every day that I'm powerless and I cannot do this, that I need my higher power to do this for me. When I was in the food, I was crazy. I was so insane and focused on myself and you know, just just an awful feeling, and now I feel like I'm able to 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 be my true self, to be my authentic self. And that the only way it came about was by being in this program, talking to many many fellows, working the steps, and continuing to enlarge my spiritual territory. And I do that on a daily basis. It's one day at a time. That's all I can do. And I have to let go of all expectations of what. I think I should have and just very grateful that I can hear all of you the wonderful shares on this line and so grateful to be here this morning so I thank you and with that I pass okay thank you uh, Carol we've probably got less than a minute uh, would you want to take a few seconds here Carol Kay Oh, hi. And Carol Kay, I'll, I'll pass. Um, maybe I'll, I'll hope to share in the next hour. Thank you. All right. Great. Thank you very much. Okay. So uh, thanks to uh, everyone who shared. Mm-hmm. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for uh, today is uh, 16,342. That's one six three four two for February fifth, two thousand and twenty-one. Um, we're now going to close with a reading from the Big Book on page one sixty-four, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Uh, will uh, Barbara E. please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only through keep you until then. Certainly, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. 
But obviously you can't transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.